Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. You live in a cosmic system of thought which the Bible calls the world. I call it the lie bubble. And in it, you're being lied to all the time. Barah Ministries is here to provide you with the antidote. Truth. And here it is. Truth. Jesus Christ is God. John chapter 10, verses 31 to 33 say this, the unbelieving Jews picked up stones again to stone Jesus. And Jesus said to them, I showed you many good works from the source of God the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? And the Jews answered Jesus saying, for a good work we do not stone you. For blasphemy we stone you because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Evidently, these unbelieving Jews didn't like the truth since they were preparing to stone their Messiah, who really is God. John chapter 1, verse 14, describes him. And the Word, the Lord, God the Son, became flesh, taking on the form of a human being as Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. And he lived for a while among us, for 33 years. And as John testifies, we apostles saw his glory with our own eyes, the glory of the only begotten one from the source of God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ is God. Truth. Jesus Christ provided Barah Ministries so people can learn the truth. At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we make a difference by teaching the Word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. In John chapter 8, verse 32, the Lord declares that when you study the Bible, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Welcome to a place where real people come to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. Unbelievers hear the gospel message at Barah Ministries so they can be saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they learn that there is salvation in no one else, and there's no other name that under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved, except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To unbelievers, the Lord says, I want you. Christians learn the word of God at Barah Ministries so they can develop a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord if they so choose. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be a sin sacrifice on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God the Father, the righteousness that is your admission ticket to heaven, in union with Christ. In his word, the Lord says to believers in Christ, I got you. Truth. You can choose to make biblical thought your reality. We teach the word of God at Barah Ministries to allow God's truth to shape your reality instead of having you let the world's lies shape your reality. Not only is the Bible the absolute truth, but also the Lord gives us someone who helps us understand biblical truth, introduced in John chapter 16, verse 13, where the Lord says this, When he, God the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, the one to whom I am sending to you, he will guide you, believers in Christ, into all the truth. Truth. God's enemy is a liar who keeps on perverting the truth. Our enemy has many titles. Satan, the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, the great dragon who deceives the whole world the serpent who leads the world astray, the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience, and the prince of the power of the air. An interesting study for you would be to surface all the Bible verses that reveal these truths. The Greek word that describes Satan is diabolos, which means slanderer. Satan accused all the angels, I'm sorry, Satan caused all the angels to turn on the Lord by trafficking slander about the Lord amongst the angels, things that he was saying that were false. Satan was so convincing with his lies that all the angels believed him without checking the evidence. It's the same thing people do all the time. They hear things about you, and they never check the evidence. The Lord describes his enemy to a group of unbelieving Jews in John chapter 8, verse 44. And before I tell you the verse... One of the funny things about this passage, if you go look at the passage, and it probably extends from John chapter 8, verse 30, down through 44, but Jesus is in a a conversation with these unbelieving Jews, and one of the things they do is they say, well, you know, I mean, you're talking about Abraham, our father. You know, why don't we talk about your father real quick? Oh, wait, maybe you didn't have one. Oh, but maybe God made the baby. (laughs) So they're busting him a little bit because he was allegedly of a virgin birth. So what did the Lord do? In John 8.44, he said, oh, you want to talk about fathers? You're of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not tell the truth because there's no truth in him. And whenever he speaks, he speaks from his, whenever he speaks, he lies. And lies are his native language. That's what the Greek says. I've never really gone into the Greek here to get this, but this is beautiful. Whenever he speaks, put that up, will you? Whenever he speaks, he lies. And lies are his native language because he is a liar and he keeps on fathering lies. Satan's greatest deception 
is convincing the world that he does not exist. And he is quite good at deceiving. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, the Lord commands that believers in Christ resist Satan by standing firm in faith. We place our confidence in the Lord and we reject Satan's lies. Today's Bible lesson, when you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 says this, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, and all of us do, that's a first class condition, if in the Greek. If anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, and all of us do, he deceives himself. Self-deception is part of being human. We lie to ourselves about who we are. I was just thinking about this, how... People are always pointing at your faults and then ignoring their own. And it was actually pretty funny. A friend of mine was talking to me this week about this, and she said that uh, she goes to a church in her area, and a guy came up to the pastor after a service and said, Hey, pastor, how can you condone uh, smoking by putting all these ashtrays outside the church? said, Don't you think you ought to be discouraging that? And so the pastor said, well, you're fat. Don't you think you ought to be eating better food? And he said, the point is, who are you to judge that smoking is the great evil of all time when you're eating poison all the time that's making you fat? Right? Now, see, pastors don't get to say that to people. Right? But that's what people do. They're always pointing at everybody else, but they never look in the mirror. And judging is not our prerogative as human beings. It's God's prerogative, and he doesn't do it until the end of our days. But we're doing it all the time. Oh, that person ought to do this. Oh, that person ought to do this. But we always close our eyes when we get in front of the mirror. Catty. Catty behavior. Looking at each other when somebody's doing something, rolling eyes back in our head. Like, who are you? Really, who are you to do that? Have you ever looked at your own scrapbook? Because if you looked at your own, why don't you just try that for a week? Why don't you just write down every stupid thing you do for a week and just look at it? And I guarantee you that you would never waste your time judging anybody else. Dale Carnegie said it this way. He said, if you want to criticize somebody, I heartily recommend it. Begin with yourself. And if you do that, you will not have time to criticize anybody else. Amen? All right, so that's what that verse is all about, Galatians 6.3. Put it up again. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, and all of us do, he deceives himself. So the title of the lesson should resonate with you now. When you really know who you are, that is, how depraved you are, you'll really appreciate the Lord, but I think you'll also appreciate other people. Self-deception is certainly part of being human. Self-deception is the intentional choice of a mental state by which we ignore the truth despite the evidence. Psychologists see it as a great way to reduce the cognitive load we carry in the bubble that is the lie bubble that is Satan's kingdom. But our Lord and Savior prefers that we let him transform us through the renewing of our minds with the truth of the Word of God. 
in today's lesson as we continue our study of Colossians chapter 1. We'll have a chance to see why God keeps on bringing us back to a recognition of how wretched each of us really is. So, let's hear some music. Sanctification begins for believers in Christ when God gives us a spiritual life, that is, the transformation from spiritual death to spiritual life at the moment of salvation. And from that point on, God continues to separate his believers from sin, as we learn in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, which say this, Believers in Christ have confidence knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, so that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died to the sovereignty of sin is freed from sin by God. Here's June Murphy to sing one of her newest songs. It is for freedom. Absolutely, 
We are free, man. Yeah, man. Give, she took us to Jamaica there at the end. Let's get a red stripe, man. On that last uh, couple of stanzas, I recommend that you breathe. This just, you know, I'm just saying that for you. Great song, Let Us Pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, Thanksgiving week is a great time to thank you for the price your son paid at the cross to make an amazing life possible for us. Thank you for always bringing us closer to you when our enemies assault us with a barrage of distractions. Thank you for giving us divine strength when our human strength is inadequate to solve our problems. Open our spiritual eyes so that we have insights about the traps that have been set for us. Show us how to reflect you in everything we do. Let your unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace shine in dark places through us. Help us to know that you are always planning something great for us and that you will reveal it right soon. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, when you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When you really know who you are, you'll appreciate other people, too. One of my favorite poems was written by 19th century American poet Walt Whitman. It's called, O Me, O Life. O Me, O Life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with, with the foolish, of myself, forever reproaching myself, for who more foolish than I, and who more faithless. All of us reproach ourselves constantly, as Whitman does here, thanks to the flesh, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the object's mean, of the struggle, air renewed. Many of us want a relationship with the Lord, the light, but we're too busy to crave it. Of the poor results of all, of the plotting and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest, me intertwined, the outcome of our lives is predictable, vanity, Things seldom turn out the way we wish. The question, oh me, the question so sad and recurring. What good is there amid these things, oh me, oh life? The answer, that you are here. That life exists and your identity exists that the powerful play goes on. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Well, my question for you is, what will your verse be? The powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? That's the question that lies recurring behind my teaching of the Word of God as I think of each of you. What will your verse be? 
Whitman does an amazing and romantic job of describing the futility of life. Yet that is not the life of the believer in Christ. Our life is better described in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says this, Therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, that's a first-class condition, if in the Greek, if and it's true. If anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, there is a new creation. The old man things passed away. They died. Your flesh was crucified at the cross, but God didn't take it away. Why not? Because if he took it away, you'd be a mess. You would think you were all that, and you aren't all that. That's what Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 is all about. You're not all that. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We're not all that. And that shouldn't be a source of angst for you. That should not cause you to say, oh, pastor, why aren't you affirming me? You know, like, why aren't you telling me positive stuff? Why aren't you giving me a sticker for my refrigerator? It should just let you know who you really are. Because if you start to know who you really are and you know how wretched you really are, as the Bible describes it, you're going to like God a lot better for all the things he did for you, and you're going to like people a lot better because you're not going to think you're better than them. So if anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, there is a new creation. The old man things passed away. They died. Your flesh is dead. It talks to you all the time from within. And it's telling you what to do. And it's more powerful than your will. And everything you tell yourself that you want to do, the flesh sabotages it. You know that. You've been experiencing that for years in your life. But it doesn't matter. Behold, new things have come. See, the flesh is not you. The body is not you. The body's going to die. The flesh is already dead, but your physical body is going to die. And when it does, the real you will be left over, your soul and your spirit. That's the real you. Your body is the part of you that does the sinning, according to Romans chapter 7. It's not the real you if you're a believer in Christ. So as we continue our study of Colossians chapter 1, we're reminded of the ground we have covered so far in this chapter. The Apostle Paul, writing from a prison cell to a group of people he would never meet, introduced himself in verses 1 and 2. He gave thanks for the Colossian believers in verses 3 to 8. In fact, thanks for all the believers in the Lycus Valley, including Eropolis and Laodicea. He prayed for them in verses 9 to 14, and he introduced them to the preeminent one, the one whom we worship, the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We call him Mr. First. Jesus Christ is Mr. First. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 to 20 say this, The Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God and Father. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by the Lord, God the Son, all things were created, things in the heaven and things on the earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or evil rulers of authority whom he vanquished with the cross. All things have been created through the Lord and for the Lord. Colossians 1.17. 
The Lord is before all things, and in the Lord all things holds together. The Lord Jesus Christ holds together the universe with the word of his power. And we're always worried about what everybody's saying on the news. Oh, we're going to run out of water. <laughs> oh, you better recycle. The plastic's going to kill the planet. Oh, we better be, get green. Oh, the global warming. Yeah, God created the entire universe. And then in omniscience, knowing all the knowable, he decided, you know what? I'm going to make these people of 70% water. And you know what? Just for fun, just because I, I like having a little thing, stuff to amuse me, I'm not going to let them have the very thing that they're made of, water. Yeah, okay. All right. But then he says somewhere else in the Bible how consider a man who is building a tower and before he builds the tower, he doesn't consider all it'll take to build the tower. And then he starts building the tower in the middle. He runs out of money. Everybody laugh at him. You think the Lord wants to be laughed at? Answer me. No. <laughs> no, the Lord doesn't want to be laughed at, so he's not going to do something that's stupid. Check, 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 check. We good? Did you listen to it through the earphones? Check, 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 check. Got me? All right. Colossians 1.18. The Lord is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For it was God the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of deity to dwell in the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, in bodily form, Colossians 1.20, and through the Lord, God the Father reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the Lord's cross, through Jesus, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Our God is in complete control of everything all the time. So our study of Colossians chapter 1 is teeing up Paul's conversation to us in chapter 2 where he reminds the Colossian believers and us that as soon as the truth is being taught anywhere, false teachers and false teachings infiltrate, sponsored by Satan, by his world system of thought which buffets us from the outside, the thing I'm calling the lie bubble, this is what you're going to go out into, as soon as you leave this service, and by the flesh which buffets us from the inside. 
Satan's design to interfere with our relationship with the Lord. All right, so let's take a look at the next passage of study, which is just three verses in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Here's what it says. It says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, that's the description of you at physical birth. Kids are real cute, but this is the way they come to earth. And this is the way you came to earth, spiritually dead. Colossians 1.22, Yet the Lord has now reconciled all of you who choose it in his fleshly body through death on a cross in order to present all of you who choose it before God the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If you're a believer in Christ, that's how God sees you. Isn't it unfortunate that that's not how you see yourself? Isn't it unfortunate that when the flesh talks to you every day, it tells you how lousy you are, that you believe it more than you believe what God sees in you? Isn't that funny? That's why we teach the Word of God from God's perspective, because if you don't look at yourself from God's perspective, if you don't know who you are, believers in Christ, because you're in union with Christ from the moment of salvation, you will not be seeing yourself as you are. You will not be seeing yourself as a saint. You'll be seeing yourself as a sinner. You won't be seeing yourself as righteous. You'll be seeing yourself as unrighteous. You won't be seeing yourself as godly. You'll be seeing yourself as ungodly. You won't be seeing yourself as redeemed and reconciled and justified and all of the things that God did for you at the moment of salvation, things that would boggle your mind if you just stopped to try to hold all of them in your head at one time. The Lord reconciled you. What does it mean to reconcile you? He tore down the barrier between you and him. Because when you weren't reconciled, there was enmity between you and him. There was a war. And it was a war you were not going to win. Amen? But he tore it down. Colossians 1.23 If indeed all of you continue in the faith, that if has been perverted by so many pastors throughout the years. Because see, listen to this buildup. I'm going to go back and read you these verses, and then you'll get to that if. Okay, so although you, believers in Christ here, were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds when you were an unbeliever, yet the Lord has now reconciled all of you in his fleshly body through death in order to present all of you before God the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach, Verse 23, if indeed all of you continue in the faith. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And I've heard countless pastors say that means you can lose your salvation. That's a lie. Once you have salvation, you can't lose it. But if in English is a supposition, see? Supposing. All right, well... All right, God is going to make you holy, blameless, and beyond reproach, supposing that all of you continue in the faith. And you say, oh, God, I'm, I'm ruined. I don't continue in the faith. I sin every day. Oh, my goodness. And then the pastor says, you better continue in the faith because maybe you can lose your salvation. Okay, the pastor who says that to you doesn't understand Greek. 
It doesn't understand what kind of if that is. And if in Greek and if in English are different. But I've read countless, countless commentaries where the, the commentators are saying that this is a reference to the fact that you can lose your salvation. That's an absolute lie. So if indeed all of you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and if you are not moved away by false teachers from the hope of the gospel message that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. For me, this short passage within Colossians chapter 1 especially the first verse of this passage, reaches back into Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. Romans, the most important book in the Bible to a Christian. If you have not studied Romans, you do not understand Christianity. I guarantee it. The most important book in biblical Christianity is Romans. And the most important chapter in Romans is chapter 8. And you know how chapter 8 begins for you believers in Christ? Do you know how it begins? Tell them, June. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's easy for you to say. (laughs) (laughs) There is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in union with Christ. And how does it end? Nothing will ever sever us from the love of God. That's eternal security, you see. But anyway, this first verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, brings up Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18 for me, which is the most scathing indictment of human beings that has ever been written. Here's what it says. It says... As it is written, there is none, no creature who's righteous before God, not even one. Romans 3.11, there is no creature who understands either God or any divine thing. There is no creature who seeks a relationship with God. That's you when you were an unbeliever. You didn't seek the relationship with God. He sought you. He came after you. June, you should write a song about that. Right? He came after me. He came after. He ran after me. That's right. What's the rest of it? Bought me for his own. He ran after me. You, You should write a song like that. So good. Thank you. There's no creature who understands either God or any divine thing. There's no creature who seeks a relationship with God. Romans chapter 3, verse 11. All creatures have turned aside from God. Together, all creatures have become useless. There is no creature who does good, not even one. Have you ever once thought of yourself that way? Huh? Answer me. You have. You think of yourself that way all the time. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, you should never think of yourself that way because that's not how God sees you. He sees you as holy, blameless, beyond reproach, righteous, saint, justified, redeemed, reconciled, expiated, atoned for, everything. 
But we still see ourselves that way, even though it's changed for us. But this is the description of how we are as unbelievers. Romans 3.13, their throat is an open grave. Their tongues, they keep on deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. Romans 3.14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitter blasphemy. Romans 3.15, whose feet are swift to shed blood, murderers. 3.16, for whom destruction and misery are in their path. 3.17, and the path of peace they have not known. 3.18, there is no respect for God before their eyes. That's the description of you as an unbeliever. The Greek word that, that speaks of this is hupokrites. And from that we get the English word hypocrite. And what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who talks from behind a mask. They're two-faced. They're pretending to be one thing in your face, and then they're stabbing you in your back. Amen? How many of us have friends like that? A lot. In 22 years of pastoring, imagine how many times that's happened to me. Okay, but pastor... You should be a Christian. Where's the unconditional love? Well, I have plenty of it. I have plenty of love and unconditional unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace, but I still have the marks in my back, and they hurt. It hurts to make yourself vulnerable to somebody, to show people who you really are so that they can feel good about themselves. Because you know what you guys do. You want to put me up on a pedestal. Oh, pastor, you're up there and we're the lowly ones down here. You know you do it and you you pretend like you don't. Especially people in this congregation. It was so funny. I used to people used to always call me Pastor Rory. And I told them one day, you know, you guys really don't have to call me pastor. You don't have to use uh, a term of respect to refer to me. You can just call me Rory. I can't tell you how fast that happened. It happened so fast. It's like the only people that call me pastor are the people in the non-resident congregation because they actually do like me and respect me. You guys here? You know, oh, yeah, him. Yeah, get up there and teach, would you? <laughs> Don't give me that. Now they're all, now they're all gripping. <laughs> Y'all don't ever call me Pastor anything. You don't. You call. You don't even say my name half the time. Yeah, y'all, y'all like that, like that Bernie Mac thing. Him downstairs. <laughs> Who him? I ain't got a name. <laughs> We're hypocrites. I love it when people call, they said, you know, you Christians are hypocrites. Correct. What's your point? We are. That's why we need a Savior. Not like you perfect people who don't need anything. Well, God assigns pastors to get before a crowd like this, the hupocrites. And for 22 years, I've been answering his call. And it's a wearying job, to say the least. And you don't, you know, you just, because you just power through everything, you don't even realize how weary you get from it. But nonetheless, it's a pleasure because of what God can do with a motley crew like this. 
detailed in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, which says this, Yet the Lord has now reconciled all of you in his fleshly body through death. See, all that stuff that was said about an unbeliever in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 18, those are the people that Jesus Christ went to a cross to die for. And happily and voluntarily. You know, we see a movie like The Passion of the Christ and we go, Oh, man, isn't it terrible what Jesus had to go through? And Jesus said, No, it isn't terrible at all what I had to go through. I went there voluntarily. That was my assignment and I did my job with honor. And I was happy to do it. And if it had only been one of you, I would have done it for only one of you. Amen? That's the kind of God we have. So it's a pleasure to be able to teach a group like this because the Lord has now reconciled all of you in his fleshly body through death. What does that mean? Put it up. It means that for three hours on the cross, every sin that you've ever committed, past, present, and future, was imputed to him and judged. And now... By the law of double jeopardy, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. And when you do something stupid, what are you doing? Oh, God, forgive me. It's already been done. Why are you asking for something that has already been done? It's already been done. It's not in doubt. He did it already. You don't have to ask him for his forgiveness. You just say, say, thank you. Thanks again. Can't believe you created me knowing that I was going to do this stupid stuff. Can't believe it. And you knew it before you made me. Can't believe it. Because I wouldn't have done it. Amen? Because you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Everybody who has kids knows that. Like, we can send them back. You know? It's like, one out of a thousand things they do is pretty cool. <laughs> but I don't know, that $1,000 a month for the formula, that $50 a week, $100 a week, I, I'm out of touch. I'm 30 years out of touch, but I heard yesterday, like, a formula is $1,000 a month. Is that even right? That's crazy. I don't like anybody that much. <laughs> That's generic. That's the generic brand. Yeah. Thank God for Costco and Sam's Club. Amen. <laughs> what do we do before Walmart? Seriously. <laughs> Our God does amazing things when there is little to work with. First and foremost with me. I mean, when you stop to think about where I came from, and what I came out of, for him to do what he has done with me and to just watch the careful orchestration of that is mind-boggling. I can't even hold those thoughts in my head without losing it. To think back on all I've been through in my life and to know he was there the whole time orchestrating me through it is mind-boggling. And you have the same privilege to just think back to all the times. Here's the thing that I'm thinking about all the time now. 
I'm thinking about all the times he protected me from myself when I didn't know it. All the things that he made sure that I didn't get near so that I wouldn't be hurt. And the only, the only thing I can communicate to you that would help you understand it is there was one time when I was in London and I left my hotel and walked about a block and I was going to Kentucky Fried Chicken and when I, I passed about five people on the street and my ghetto instincts and my spidey senses knew that those people were up to something and it was not good, whatever it was. And so I had already made my plan that when I came out of KFC, I was going to go across the street to the tube station, pretend like I was doing something there, and then come out and go way around so that I wouldn't have to pass them again. Because I knew that they were up to something, and it was not good. And when I came out, they were gone. Who do you think orchestrated that? You know, and I noticed it. That's the God we have. First and foremost, he he has done amazing things with you. But first and foremost, he's done amazing things with me. And I'm proud of what he has done with me. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll see what the message is in these three short verses of this magnificent letter. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quite, will all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. For the world to see 
Today's Bible lesson, when you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When we give, we present something voluntarily without any expectation of return compensation. We can give of our time, we can give of our talent, we can give of our treasure. As our relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grows, we learn to make giving our life's work without expecting anything in return. Yet the Lord doesn't honor our desire to get nothing in return. He always provides us with an abundance. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came so that believers in Christ may have the resurrection life, eternal life, 
and I came so that they might have this resurrection life abundantly, now, not in the future. So as a result of the Lord's generosity, we learn not to have a mindset of scarcity in the matter of giving. So as you give today, give without fear, and give abundantly, knowing that the Lord will always give you an abundance in return. Receiving in return is not your motivation. It's just a fact when you're in union with the Lord. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Check, check, check one. Good morning. Can you hear me? My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church, and this is a place for real people who want to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. Lately, we've been hearing a lot about your, you know, just maybe it's me, but the world's been real crazy, you know, with COVID and then just everything that's going on. And it just really seems like there's a lot of darkness in the world. And there's almost like, what's the point of even going out there? Why even mess with it? You know what I mean? It's just cosmic, cosmic, you know, it's devil, it's everything that's just dark and there's nothing that supports you. So why even participate? Why just, why not just give up, you know? But that wouldn't help anybody. You know, why does God put us here in the middle of this? Because it's good for us. He gives us tools. He gives us so much. So what are we supposed to do? Stand firm. As Christians, we're supposed to stand firm. It's not always easy, and it's not always obvious, but we're the light of the world. We're the people that help people see the light. And when I think of that verse, stand firm, I think of James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, so stand firm. And what's funny is, that verse is about the devil, but I think of my children. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, they didn't come to this world as believers. They, They certainly are now, but, you know, as a parent, you have to stand firm. Because they're going to want a lot to do a lot of dumb stuff as, as babies and as toddlers. You know, they're going to want to, like, I remember changing my daughter one time, and she wanted to grab her diaper after, as I was trying to clean her. And it was a mess down there. And she was mad at me that I didn't let her touch her diaper. But I knew, as a parent, that's not what's good for you. I had to stand firm, and she eventually gave up. And we know that as toddlers, you know, you stand firm to them, they will give up. It doesn't seem like it when they're crying and doing a hissy fit, being hysterical, but they will give up. The same thing goes for teenagers, you know. I guess I should have said, you know, toddlers, I was thinking, they're hostile towards self. You know, and we're, we're in a world where that's hostile towards God. Toddlers are hostile towards self, and we have to teach them that. And then they get to be teenagers, and their conscience and their mentality disappear, and now they're super crazy, so they're hostile towards authority. And we have to stand firm in the same way we did with, with toddlers. We need to teach them that, hey, those friends you're hanging out with, those aren't the right people for you. You're going to be associated with those people no matter what, even if you're not their good friend. So watch who you hang out with. So we have to stand firm for the toddlers, you know, or for, for teenagers too. So from birth to death, we're going to have to stand firm for people. And so the third group would be the TD Ameritrade group, the group that's older, and they're hostile towards others at this point. You know, because now they're, oh, man, I'm getting old. I better start hoarding my money. Better start saving up. I'm not going to be helping other people. 
And, you know, we've got to stand firm for those people. We've got to let them know that God's going to supply your every need. So you need to be charitable. You need to step up in your spiritual gift. And that's what your opportunity here is at Barah Ministries. So we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. So we're supposed to stand firm in our faith, and we're the light that helps toddlers, teens, and the TD Ameritrade group learn what the truth is and to know and have a standard. It's not about being perfect. Christians aren't perfect. Like Pastor said, we're hypocrites. We're not trying to be perfect. We're just trying to have a standard and show people where they should be and give them an outlet. And so by supporting Barah Ministries and giving and worshiping at the offering, you're supporting Christians around the world, but you're also getting the truth, the knowledge of truth to everybody in this world that helps them combat and not be hostile towards God and hostile towards self, authority, or others. So let's work together and give and support our pastor. And remember, as this year goes by, to stand firm in traditions we've already been taught and not lose sight of that. So thank you very much.
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, when you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. When you really know who you are, you'll appreciate the Lord. So let's look at those three verses in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Here's the clarification of those verses. At one time, all of you were alienated from God and hostile in mind as unbelievers, doers of evil deeds. That's not the way people like to think of themselves. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I can tell you I have heard from unbelievers over and over and over again is if they all went to the same school, swallowed the same pill, and say the same thing is, I'm basically a good person. That's not what the Bible says. Better check out Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. I'm basically a good person. And, you know, how is it that so many people say that very same thing? I'm basically a good person. And what are they doing? They're comparing themselves to the people they see on the news. But they're not thinking about the fact that they have the flesh. They're not thinking about the fact that they have no relationship with God. They're not thinking about the fact that they're spiritually dead. So they pick out the worst person in human history that the person that they think is the worst person in human history, Adolf Hitler, and they say, well, I'm not like him. He's actually not the worst person in human history. The Apostle Paul is the guy that we study with every week and the guy we're studying with right now. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. At one time, all of you were alienated from God and hostile in mind as unbelievers, doers of evil deeds. Yet the Lord has now reconciled all you believers in Christ in his physical body through his death on a cross. At the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ paid for every sin that every creature, angelic and human, ever committed, past, present, and future. All of them were imputed to him and judged in a three-hour period at the cross. Why did he do that? In order to present all of you believers in Christ before God the Father as holy in his sight, blameless, which is free from being targets of accusation, because one of the titles for Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He is an accuser of the believers in Christ. And beyond reproach, you are people without blemish. You are irreproachable. You're exactly the same as Jesus Christ was as he went to the cross. How was he described? He was described as the lamb without spot or blemish. And that's what you are in God's sight. Why aren't you that in your own sight? Colossians 1.23, here's the thing. If, indeed, all of you continue in the faith. Well, what kind of if is that in Greek? It is a first-class condition if, if and it's true. So what what it's really saying here is, if, indeed, all of you Colossian believers continue in the faith, which, of course, you will, right? So there's no, you're going to lose your salvation thing in here like those pastors are saying. 
if indeed all of you continue in the faith, which of course you will, and when you continue in the faith, what will you be? Firmly established and steadfast. Stand firm, Deacon Denny was saying. And if indeed you do not get moved away by false teachers from the hope of the gospel message that you have heard. And see, that's what liars do to you. All right, so at the moment of your salvation, you're placed into union with Christ, and it's a union you can't get out of. In Christo Iesu, in the Greek. In Christ Jesus. You're also in Numadi, in the Spirit. You're also in Pater, in the Father. Can't get out. What do the false teachers come in and say? Oh, no, you can lose your salvation. Now, when you start thinking about that for a second, you think, wait a minute, if I lose my salvation, that's all eternity? I'm going to be in the lake of fire? Oh, let me look that up. What is the lake of fire? A place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, I don't want that. And now what do you start doing? You start panicking. That's what false teachers do. And so nothing changed for you. You're in union with Christ. They come in and say you're not. That didn't change it. But you start fretting about it. And now you start obsessing about it as if it's true when it's a lie. And what does that do? It robs you of hope. The hope of the gospel message was proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Oh boy, I guess we don't have to worry about the little children in Africa anymore, huh? If the gospel message is proclaimed to every creature under heaven, which it is, then we don't have to worry about anybody. And of which gospel, I, Paul, was made a minister by God. It's amazing what God has done with a group of nothings. He's taken us from nothing to something, and that's why this is called Barah Ministries, because that's what Barah means. It's a Hebrew word, and it means to speak something into existence from nothing, which is what he did with the universe. In the beginning, God barad the heavens and the earth. He's taken us from alienated to reconciled. He's taken us from far off to brought near. He's taken us from the other side of a barrier to witnessing a broken down dividing wall, taking all ordinance against, or, ordinances against us out of the way. He's taken us from enemy to friend. He's taken us from darkness to light. He's taken us from alien to heir. He's taken us from lost to rescued. He's taken us from slave to free. He's taken us from imprisoned to redeemed. He's taken us from enmity to reconciliation. He's taken us from false teaching to true teaching. Do you think that I was going to look up all those verses? <laughs> I ain't even thinking about looking up all those verses for you. But every single one of those things that you just heard, all of those from, from twos are verses in the Bible. And what are they? Promises from God. That once you believe in Christ, this is what your experience really is. Why don't we think that way? I'll tell you why we don't think that way. You're not listening. You're not listening to me. You're not listening to the truth. You're listening to the lies in the bubble. 
you have this firm position, and as soon as you go out there, somebody tells you, you're going to die from COVID if you don't wear a mask. And you say, yeah, yeah, I guess that could happen. I've been on the earth for 45 years and it's never happened, but I guess it could happen. Please. Please. And that, that is not to discount that a lot of people have allegedly died from COVID. I've had friends who allegedly died from COVID. But my mom allegedly died from arrhythmia and they didn't do an autopsy. So I don't know how they figured that out. How did they figure that out? Would they put their hand on her, her forehead and figure it out? And I asked the doctor, how'd you figure that out? You didn't do an autopsy. How'd you figure it out? We know. Oh, yes, doctor. Oh, yes, doctor, doctor, doctor. Yeah, I forgot. You're gods, all of you. Yes, doctor, doctor. What I'm proudest of in my 58 years of being a Christian is the journey from the land of lies through the land to the sphere of truth. What a pleasure to bask in the fresh air of truth and to be rid of self-deception simply by constantly being exposed on a day-to-day -day basis to the truth of the Word of God. And shame on the friends of mine who want me to be a phony, who don't want me to really reveal how I am because they can't help but judge me when I tell them who I really am while conveniently ignoring who they really are. Shame on them. And I've had 22 years of that. And it disgusts me. And I, I can't tell you how many brain cycles that I spend every day trying to wrap my head around that. Including my younger son. Including him who I told all of my deficiencies to for the purpose of him not doing what sons do, which is to put their dad on a pedestal. How, how would you, as a son of mine, ever think that you could be anybody? Honestly. Pastor, successful in career. You know, I, I just go down the resume. How could you, as a son of mine, think you could ever equal what your dad had done? You wouldn't be able to. And I don't want my sons putting me on a pedestal. So one of them, the younger one, I told him everything. And what did he do? Used it against me. Okay. And all my friends tell me, oh, he'll come around. Yeah, well, he ain't around yet. But if he does come around, it doesn't take away the fact that he trashed me to a whole lot of people who aren't bright enough to understand that there are two sides to every story. And so believed him and ended relationship with me, which was a favor, by the way. That was a favor. Because people who are like that, 
I don't want them anywhere near me. If you think you're all that and you're judging people, I don't want you anywhere near me, honestly, because you are a disease and I don't want you around me. No, I like the real people. I like the June Murphys of the world who cannot say a prayer, cannot say a prayer without saying, well, I'm just glad that Jesus likes me just for who I am because I ain't all that. And if anybody doesn't like me, I don't care because Jesus liked me just like I am even though I ain't all that. <laughs> even though I think that four broken karaoke machines are furniture up in my house, uh, Jesus loved me. <laughs> Jesus loved me anyway. Okay, dude. Thank you very much. Next. <laughs> I like June. I like people who know who they are. Because when you know who you are, then you're really lenient with other people. See, because I got Galatians 6.3 on my desk. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. I look at it every day. I see it 50 times a day. And when I walk out of my office, I have the divorce decrees, two divorce decrees, hanging in a framed poster with a purple heart to remind me I'm not all that. So I don't understand people who think that their special little cloister that they made makes them all that when I clearly can look into their cloister and tell them who they aren't all of you here I know who you aren't you know why I know because you've told me I know who you aren't I know all your little dirty secrets and guess what I could care less I like you better because of that I don't like you less because of that. I like you better because of that. And next week, you definitely want to tune into the lesson because I'm going to go through all of you one by one and tell everybody your dirty little secrets that I know just so people don't think I'm kidding about that. Thank you for that honor. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, obviously. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Come see what I know. You don't even know what I know. Come see what I know. <laughs> like, I, look, I'm not going to do that. I was just trying to get out of the lesson. I'm not going to do it. Because <laughs> I figured if y'all told me you weren't going to be here, I would have to make a lesson. Look, no, I, but honestly, I mean, I can't do that. But it doesn't mean I don't know. And I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because God doesn't care. Because he paid for all of your scumminess at the cross. And I don't know why you care about it. I don't get it why you care about it. I don't get it why you obsess about it. I don't understand why you keep going through the same things over and over again beating yourself up over and over again about your inadequacies, 
like the people around you don't know what they are. You're transparent as glass. And I don't get how you get to throw stones when you live in a glass house. I don't get it. And I never will. Especially if you have studied anything coming out of this pulpit. I don't get it. But I don't have to. Because I'm too busy with my own journey to worry about yours. Amen? Amen. Oh, 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 that's so sweet. Look, if you don't continue growing in faith, you have no hope. If you don't continue growing in your faith, you have no hope. Why? Because you get swept up in the madness of false teachers and their lies. You get swept up in the madness of false friends. And you start worrying about stuff that you shouldn't be worried about. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard somebody say, I don't feel like I have to go to church to worship God. Okay. Those who say that are in massive self-deception. They are in a temporarily psychotic state because it's true. You don't have to go to church to worship God, but if you don't go to church to worship God, where are you going to go to worship him? What are you going to do? Pull out the Bible and read it? Okay, let's do that. Let's turn to Acts 16.31. Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. I was driving in Sacramento one day and I heard a pastor teaching, if you believe in Christ, your whole household is saved. Listen to that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And he said, so what this verse says is, if you believe in Christ, everybody in your household is covered. False. But that's not what the Greek says. The New Testament is written in Koine Greek. Koine Greek says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. So now, just sit there at home and read it. Go ahead. Let's see how that works out for you. Because it doesn't work for me. I can't read it and tell. I can't see if you in English means you singular or you plural. I can't see if if means if first class condition, if second class condition, if third class condition, if fourth class condition. I can't see it. So how can you? I've been studying the Bible for 30 years and I can't see it. How can you? I study every single verse word by word. When you look at a verse that you see at Barah Ministries and you go to the Bible and see a verse, they'll be different. Why? Because I'm trying to put this in such a way that you can, you can see what it actually says when you review this letter, uh, lesson later. That's why I gave you, I give you notes. So you can look at them again and see what it's actually saying without me being there to explain it. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, you don't have to go to church to worship God, but where are you going to learn? Where are you going to get the truth from? You have to get it from the people that God provided to give it to you, and that's pastors. And you've got to pick a pastor that knows what he's talking about. 
And a pastor who knows what he's talking about is one who's gone through 21 years of Roman Catholicism and 29 years of systematic theology, who's learned all the nuances of sin, all the nuances of the law, and after 50 years of it, has concluded, I cannot stop sinning and I cannot keep the law. And then who then studies Romans after 50 years and looks at Romans 6.14, which says, Sin shall no longer be sovereign over you. You're not under the law. You're under grace. Damn. Damn. One verse could have saved me 50 years. Damn. Man. You've been getting truth from this pulpit. I invite you to intensify your journey into the truth over the next year. As I start my sabbatical, next week is the last lesson before my sabbatical, a 13-month sabbatical where I'm going to go and get closer to my God and travel and have fun and get my health under control because I've got a bunch of stuff that's not working right. And I'm going to get it all under control. God's going to get it under control for me. <coughs> but you've been getting truth from this pulpit. And I'm handing you off to Pastor John Farley, who is my pastor. Somebody who I trust with my life. Somebody who you want to know all my dirty secrets, because you guys know about 5% of them. If you want to meet somebody who knows all my dirty secrets, he knows all of them. And I know all of his. And we still like each other. I'm handing you off to somebody that I trust with my life. And I want you to study his lessons on John. The Gospel of John because that's about the deity of Christ. I want you to get to know the Lord. And I'll bet when we both come back after this year off, this year of rest and relaxation, that we'll all be refreshed to go do the job we want to do. And whatever Barah Ministries was before January 2023, it will not be that when we get back. There will not be empty seats in here, and there will not be people in here who I'm not connected to, and there are not, will not be people in here who aren't serious students of the Word of God, because I don't even want to teach people if they're not serious students of the Word of God to tell you the absolute truth. And I taught a youth lesson yesterday, and I told them that. I told them that I had a bad attitude coming to that lesson because I didn't want to come. Because when you ask them questions, you know, <laughs> they get that look on their face like they can't talk. They're not used to speaking in public. I asked them to draw a vertical line down a paper. They can't even draw a vertical line down a piece of paper. It's like, what are they learning in school, man? And I ask them to just write some simple things. I want to, I don't want to. I will, I will not. Just write it down. They're looking all over each other like, what do I do? Oh, just, no, just open an app. Open an app. There's probably an app that's got all this. And the adults... You know, in the class, they can't even take it, you know. Pretty soon it just builds up in them. They just got to blurt out stuff. <laughs> it's just funny. 
I want to teach people who want to learn. I want to teach people. I know I have to do both. I know I have to teach people who want to learn, people who don't. I know. I understand. I've been doing that for 46 years. I get it. But I, I'm edified with people who want to learn and people who ask questions about God. That's one of the things that I think is just freaky about Barah Ministries, is you guys never ask me questions about God. I think that's freaky. I don't even understand that. I have never been in a room with a teacher where I wasn't wearing that teacher out with questions. So I don't even understand that, honestly. I don't. But anyway, I gave you a lot of thoughts in the second half of the lesson. And I could look up all those verses that prove the from thing, from two things. But I ain't, because I want you to do it. Because maybe, just maybe, that is a task for you this week. A way for you to show yourself who you really were when you were alienated and hostile in mind and who you really are now that you're in union with Christ. Pastors, like the Apostle Paul, always want those under their charge to know who they really were and who they have really become through Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Latin sentiment is the motto of Northwestern University, my alma mater, quaecumque sunt vera. Quaecumque sunt vera is right on our crest. Whatsoever things are true, let your mind dwell on these things. We're going to go back out into the lie bubble. And when you come here, what I want to do is put truth on your mind so that when you go back into the lie bubble, you can reflect on this verse. Whatsoever things are true, let your mind dwell on these things. Because the truth kills self-deception. Once you know who you really were and who you really are now in Christ, you'll appreciate the Lord. But you will also appreciate other people a lot more than you might now, and you will be really hesitant to pull out your judging card when you're looking at other people, like somehow you're all that. And I think you should join me in getting a copy of Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, and carrying it around with you all the time. And whenever you think you're all that, just pull it out and look at it. If a man thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Christians, we are hypocrites. We talk from behind a mask. We are not to think we're all that. Amen? Yeah. All right, the closing moments of our lesson are dedicated to anyone who's here or anyone who's listening around the world who may not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what he wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. If you're an unbeliever, what does God want for you? First and foremost, God wants you to be saved. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires for all men to be saved and for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Are you saved? That's what God wants for you. 
Secondly, God wants you to know the truth. Now, what does the Lord not want for you? That's highlighted in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow about His promise of salvation, as some accuse Him of. Instead, the Lord is patient towards you unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance. And repentance is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you taking advantage of God's mercy toward unbelievers. These three absolutely true facts may contradict the lies placed in your head by God's enemy, Satan, through religion. Religion is Satan's system, and it is designed to give you 90% truth and 10% lies, and there's so much truth that it obscures the lie so that you won't be saved. That's why the Lord talks about the way is broad that leads to destruction. Because there are a lot of people in religious churches right now who think they're saved when they are not. And they have never bothered to learn that there is a counterfeit Jesus. Roman Catholicism, there is a counterfeit Jesus. And if you go into the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Jesus of Roman Catholicism did not finish the work of salvation at the cross. And the priest has to help him with redemption every day at the altar. False. That is a lie. A man can't help Jesus Christ with jack. And the way sins are paid for is with Christ's blood and nothing else. And that's called propitiation. There is only one perfectly satisfactory payment in the eyes of God the Father for sin. And that's what Jesus Christ did when he shed his blood at the cross. Amen? Are you taking advantage, unbelievers, of God's mercy toward you? These three absolutely true facts contradict what religion is teaching you. Here are some examples of lies from the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, pastor, you're picking on the Roman Catholic Church. You are absolutely right, and I'm going to pick on anybody who lies. Here's Here's an article I ran into this week. What does repose of the soul mean in the Catholic Mass? By Sam Tetral. And Sam is a woman, so evidently Samantha. Here's what she says. In the Roman Catholic afterlife, the soul either goes to heaven or hell or purgatory. False. False. While most hope to spend the remainder of eternity in heaven, not everyone earns this privilege. You can't earn your way into heaven. No person on earth knows for sure where the dead go after they take their last breaths. False. There are no guarantees in Christianity. False. To live a life free from sin is the only way to achieve eternal peace in the afterlife. False. You see this? This is real. This is printed. If you want me to send you a link, let me know. I'll let you read the whole thing. I'm just pulling some of the stuff out of it. Since human beings cannot be entirely pure, they must do what they can to live a life as free from sin as possible. Good luck with that. So those are the lies. Those were just some of the lies that I excerpted from this article. They are lies. 
God wants you to have a written account of the absolute truth, his exact thinking, so that you don't believe the lies. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 highlight the purpose of the Bible. It says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in the Bible. Why? Because if they had written them all, it would have taken up so many books that it would have been too heavy to carry. John 20, 31, But these things in the Bible have been written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God in human form, and that by believing in Him, you might have the resurrection life, eternal life, in His name. What is your source of truth? Do you know the truth? Especially the truth about who God is as a person, and about the truth about what He has done to save you? Maybe you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't think He's God. Maybe you don't think the Bible is His exact thinking. Maybe you don't think you need to be saved. The Bible says that being saved, salvation is exactly what all humans need from the moment of physical birth. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, At physical birth, all of you were born spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. That's twofold. You, were, you had Adam's sin imputed to you at birth, and you personally sinned in your lifetime. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 says this, All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who comes to earth are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. You come here on Satan's team set to, die, to uh, die the second death in the lake of fire. The Bible says all who are spiritually dead need to be saved. They need spiritual life. The Lord Jesus Christ volunteered for the task of saving you. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 say this, God the Father, being rich in mercy, what he gives to unbelievers, mercy, because of his great unconditional love with which he loved us all, even when we were spiritually dead in our transgressions, made us believers in Christ spiritually alive and placed us in union with Christ, for by his grace you have been saved. Amazing. When you were spiritually dead, as unrighteous, ungodly unbelievers. Here's what God the Father gifted to you. When you were on the wrong side of a barrier, separated from him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind, and that while we were yet sinners, when we were spiritually dead, ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers, Christ was sent to die as a sacrifice for us. Who in his right mind, would give his son to die for his enemies. Nobody. Evidently, God the Father is not in his right mind. Evidently, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. When you were spiritually dead, he gifted you. Now, who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 3 and 4, he says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice, right where you sit right now, 
you can have eternal life, the resurrection life, by taking the suggestion of Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. The word that you're going to hear most frequently when you study the Gospel of John is believe. Believe, 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 believe. And what does believe mean? It means take God's word for it. Amen? So heed the warning in John chapter 3, verse 36. Wait a minute. I missed something. Oh, I know I didn't. There it is. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. He who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. The lake of fire is a literal place, and it will be your eternal home if you reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of what religions tell you, you can't work to be saved. It is a free gift from a gracious God and needs no additions whatsoever. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says this, The Lord Jesus Christ saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in self-righteousness, but according to his mercy, what he directs toward unbelievers, by the washing of regeneration and through the renewing by God the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse for not knowing how to be saved, and especially if you come to Barah Ministries. It is so simple. Why? It's simple for you because God does the saving for you. All you have to do is invest the gift of faith, which God also gave you, and you can be saved. It's a gift you receive from a loving God, and you place that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you are saved. Do it now because there is no time to waste. All right, well, let's close with music. There will be a day when all the cleansing necessary for our marriage to the Lord is finished, according to the Apostle John. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, he says this, Let us believers in Christ rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Jesus, because the time for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His virgin bride, the church, all of us church-age believers, have made ourselves ready. As church-age believers, we are being cleansed for our marriage to the Lord. Here's June Murphy to sing about it and what's her new song, My Bride. I lay down my life 
So our closing doxology is words of praise to our God. Let's acknowledge the magnificence of our Almighty God. Psalm 95, 6, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Psalm 95, 7, for He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and we are the sheep of His hand. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. therefore, my divinely loved ones, be steadfast, be immovable, and keep on abounding in the work of the Lord always, knowing that your labor is not in vain in union with the Lord. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God and Father of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we give thanks this Thanksgiving because it is your will in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that in everything we give thanks, for this is the will of God for all of you in Christ Jesus. And so we thank you for all the magnificence that you've placed in our life. We pray, we, we thank you for all the orchestration that you've done to make sure that we have everything we need in provision and that we are protected from the evils in the lie bubble that we live in. We, we thank you for... Uh, giving us the, the wherewithal to pray for our enemies so that we can 
have the right attitude about people, even when they don't like us, just like you had the right attitude by sending your son to die for your enemies. We just pray that as we go forward into this Thanksgiving week, that the spiritual eyes of our heart are open, that you help us to see the people around us in a new light as we go into the family situations, which have a tendency sometimes to be really boring and repetitive and filled with strife. Let us be the peacemaker in those situations and let us give the people that we're around unconditional love and forgiveness and grace. And let us be the light shining in the darkness of every place we go. And thank you for sending the truth forth from this pulpit so that people all around the world can know you, know your word, and can understand what it takes to pray and bring your supernatural power into their natural circumstances. We ask for your continued blessings of adversity and prosperity through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.